welcome to the Guernsey Daily. I'm Ollie Gu. And I'm Rob Byrne. With the polls opening on Saturday, do you know who you're voting for? Coming up on today's show, we play another game of true or false. Yeah, I've been combing through the Q&As on the election website to see what candidates have had to say. We'll also hear from Chris Blinn. He's an independent candidate who's got some thoughts on kickstarting Guernsey's economy. I just feel that we're not driving forward anymore. Uh, my dream is to be part of a, I don't know, an assembly where there's a lot of like-minded people who, who really see the opportunity for change. But first, Rob, there's a boogeyman in our midst. We talked about introducing a, a, a GST, a general sales tax. My goodness, I couldn't think of anything worse. I don't want to see a GST as an easy fix to balancing books. I don't want GST. I'm opposed to extra taxation, uh, particularly GST. I definitely do not support the introduction of GST. GST, the dreaded scourge nearly every candidate is eager to dismiss. And that's exactly the reason I bring it up. Because if every candidate is so dead against it, why is it even being mentioned? It does feel as though it's become an easy way for candidates to attempt to gain favour from voters. But with everyone doing it, it feels a bit like lazy electioneering. Is there actually any candidate still fervently pushing GST? Not explicitly, no. On election2020.gd, there is a Q&A that asks, what is your opinion of introducing a goods and sales tax? And overwhelmingly, answers range from no way to don't do it, uh, with many calling it a regressive form of taxation. There are a few candidates who've not written it off completely, though. So Jonathan Crossan says he'd rather we looked at income tax bans and differentiated business taxes, but that GST could be a last resort. Yeah, Dave Ingalls says he'd like to explore other options, but if the choice was between enabling the island to have the services and infrastructure that will give us all a positive and sustainable future, he would have to support GST. That's still pretty vague support, though. Yeah, Shane Longley actually alludes to the point we're making here, um, that introducing a GST has become electorally toxic. He says, no to GST must be the most common phrase in manifestos, simply because islanders don't trust the states not to impose it on top of existing taxes or to start raising the rate. He says, without fundamental reform to our tax system, I couldn't support a GST either. Now, there are two names on that Q&A who seemingly aren't aligned with the status quo here, right? Yeah, so Gavin St. Pierre says, I supported it in 2015. Personally, I remain of the view that it need not be a regressive tax and can actually be a progressive tax. So he's not saying explicitly that he wants to introduce it. He, he's basically saying uh, in, his more, in his longer answer on the Q&A that he's accepted that it wasn't passed. Um, but his answer there still of the opinion that it could it could still work so he's not he's not completely in favor but not completely against and there's dawn tyndall who says it must be looked at as we need to look at diversification of our tax base but it comes with a caveat she says she could only consider it if it has a corresponding increase in the personal tax allowance and also it's not a burden on the businesses which collect it yeah so at a push um two people sort of in favor of gst uh, at least based on the on that Q and A, and yet you've got you know a hundred odd candidates making a real point of pushing their anti GST message, 
So, Rob, do you think it's fair to say that GST is the election's boogeyman? Let's just stop talking about it. (laughs) Next up, it's Chris Blinn, independent candidate and businessman. So I'm here with uh, Chris Blinn, who's standing for election for the first time, I believe. For the first time, yes. For the first time. And we're in your office on the South Esplanade. Uh, Just tell us, I guess this alludes a bit to you as a person, what's your background and why are you standing for election? Okay, well, uh, my background, um, I, I went to school over here, um, I went and did my degree in the UK, um, I did my languages and economics, I came back after that, and as everybody else, well, many people do, joined the finance sector for a few years, and after that I launched into my own business, which was education, teaching languages and translating and interpreting, um, as well as uh, recruiting, and I've been involved in lots of different businesses over the years you know and 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 some some didn't work out so well so but as far as I'm concerned that's where you learn to make hard decisions um, you know when when um, situations are tough so you learn from your mistakes uh, from, from there as well separate to that I've been involved I've always believed in our community so I've done things such as uh, been a uh, an air search crew member for, for over five or six years um, most recently, I have uh, been a douzenier for St. Peterport, uh, which came to an end at uh, December last year. How's that experience been? Well, um, often people would say that it would be, a, you know, sort of a, it would, it would set you on a path to understand more about politics and local government. Um, to a certain extent, it does, uh, working on the committee structures and, and the basis there. But in reality, for me, politics is everything we do, everything we are, everything we learn, everything comes back to politics. So when you look at it like that, it's, a, it's part of our lives. And was your uh, decision not to continue to do that because you wanted to stand for election? Is it related? or um, Partly related. I had a number of things, including my, my businesses. Um, I, I sold a couple of my businesses, um, and by leaving the air search and the design it meant I had this time and this time um, mixed with my feelings about what's going on I have you know two, two children of school age I just feel it's the most important time I've ever I've never felt like this before where I have to get involved in what we're doing on, on, on Guernsey I am massively grateful to Guernsey and I have so much experience ranging from finance to commercial to education and with Covid with with Brexit around the corner with with a with a feeling of um, you know I, I just feel that we're not driving forward anymore. Uh, my dream is to be part of a I don't know an assembly where there's a lot of like-minded people who who really see the opportunity for change and to take us forward. We will come out of this recession. How do we want to look? That's that's how I feel it is now. And I think I'm right in saying, just touching on, on COVID there, um, that one of your businesses was hit by COVID, is that right? Uh, co- correct. I, it was, um, it was um, I don't know if I can, yeah, but it was Cornerstone, it was a pub and restaurant. Uh, I'd only had it a few months. Um, I was working very closely trying to work with the French Aligned and the Victor Hugo to, to really make an experience. And we had lots of good bookings. And as soon as COVID hit, you know, because this was an investment rather than owner-operator, which are, in my opinion, the most successful businesses, um, it was a case of I either keep on battling through um, or, sadly and costly, pull the plug, ensure everyone had jobs and everyone was fine, 
and now turn that energy and attention, which I want, well, I, I have that space and ability towards something which can help. So, so I do feel like I would be a good person to be a, a champion for hospitality, a champion for tourism, because I've been involved in these sectors. One of my businesses for over 20 years brought visitors to Guernsey to learn English, and, um, and that, was a, that was a very successful time, and it was a very um, good time to see how much, you know, what, what Guernsey has to offer. And that French or Norman heritage features a bit in your manifesto. What plans do you have in terms of developing uh, Guernsey's tourism offering in that? Okay, it's a great great question because um, one part of it says the visit Guernsey, the way we do it, I believe needs to be redefined or or adjusted. Post-COVID as well, people don't want to take long-distance flights. So we should really aim at, at, the, at the UK nearby and our neighbours in France. Now, Victor Hugo, I know we've had years and years of talks about creating a Victor Hugo centre. Just look at what people are doing right now. On Guernsey right now, they've launched a, a Renoir exhibition at Beausajour, and, and it shows you what's capable. If we have things like this where we we developed the Victor Hugo experience um Festung Guernsey we have this rich military history let's let's you know work with them to kind of to expand our military history we've got a lot of things we can attract people to come to Guernsey to see and to do and don't forget the multiplier effect every pound from tourism has a five to one you know it's, it's a far higher ratio and this also means that my other champion is the small businesses I want to help the small businesses and reduce the barriers. The barriers aren't just TRP and, and and legislation. The barriers are also we need more people coming in. And I don't mean to 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 overpopulate the island. I mean we, we choose carefully choose. Guernsey is a great place to be, but it's not that great if you're not getting either the right money or the right job or something. So I'm never too worried about that. Let market forces allow people to do what they need to do, and we should encourage this innovation and, and, and diversification. And on tourism, you, you talk about the appeal, sort of, with coronavirus, of not having to travel far. The conundrum at the moment is, well, people aren't going to travel under in the present situation. Correct. How does Guernsey move from the situation at the moment to one where visitors do start coming to the island and people do start being able to travel to and from? Okay, so... It's, 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 it's well. I was going to say the chicken and the egg, and the egg, but not necessarily. I mean, first of all, Guernsey has already. Um, I've seen a remarkable situation where where hospitality businesses are now not full, but they're nigh or near to it. They're doing pretty well. Okay, not all of them, hotels. but you know, hotels. That's a totally different question because that's that's the. That's the beds in there for the visitors, although some are working on staycations. But I agree, that, that's, that's a, a, a tragic situation. But as long as we can keep our hospitality and, and some of our businesses active and supported, then as the, 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 the doors do open, and, and we know it's not going to be immediately, so we're looking realistically quarter one, quarter two next year, not even taking into account where the vaccination lies for this. But we know historically, and already I personally have lived through a previously two sort of crises or you know um, or recessions. So it's the, the 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 focus is we should be doing things during lockdown. What did we do? Did we sit at home doing nothing? No, we didn't. We painted. We fixed. We did. A lot of businesses have been doing that. 
that's how Guernsey should be operating. We should be looking at our infrastructure and, 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 and investing into our infrastructure and taking the opportunity to look at other investments, such as uh, we always talk about the fibre optics, we talk about um, our sea defences, we talk about uh, renewable energy, all these things, we should be focusing on them now. We know how slow it is to get these things through. So unless we actually take a very proactive, dynamic, strong approach, we will not be in a better situation later. So now is the time for action. So if you were to be elected, what are sort of top of your list of priorities? What would you seek to achieve in government? I think the top of the priorities would be to to establish the relationship to work with with uh, peers and, and, and identify plans, you know, that the most important ones are the 100 days. A lot of the, um, within my manifesto, talks of the infrastructure, the fibre optics, the renewable energy, all these aspects there. But the reality is that these are the values important to me. These are the things I would like to do as one person. So therefore, it is only by then working with others to create a strength to go forward and start acting on these ones. The order we do it, we know roughly it will be infrastructure, renewables, um, but there are other immediate uh, situations such as the nurses pay, the education, um, there, there are so many things, but it's a case of prioritising and that prioritising needs to be done in a group so we can work together to get things done. If I could pick one of those, uh, let's say renewable energy, where do you stand on, on developing renewable energy? Okay, so thankfully we're in a world where already electrification is, is moving forward. Um, so it's a case for us now to look at making that step quicker, you know, doing all we can. And th that includes where people may think it's slightly pie in the sky, now it's becoming a reality for electric aviation. Um, the cars, the, every single group um, I've been talking to in, 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 on the island for the last few weeks, they are moving faster and faster. So the solar, the solar panels, the, we should be working on reducing the, the layers of administration or planning for um, adding solar panels. The government should take the lead. We should, we should be electrifying these, the electrification and solar powers on government buildings, which I believe is around 11% of the properties around. So we need to start work. We need to demonstrate as a government what we're going to do. There's something else I'm going to mention, um, which is um, not on the solar power renewable, but it's on food as well. We have to start protecting our island. We are 96% dependent on, on imports of food. We always talk about solar, sea and wind. We should be talking about soil. The ability to improve our soil over here, the ability to grow nutritious food over here is, re is remarkable. And if we can start growing, wouldn't it be lovely to see derelict greenhouses put back, made active again? And if they don't come active, why don't we charge them a higher TRP? But the active greenhouses growing food for Guernsey with better nutrition and soil, they shouldn't pay TRP. We should help encourage this. I'm sure that's something that, that figures on a few manifestos, and I'm sure it's a sentiment a lot of people agree with. But isn't the economic reality that importing food is actually... It's more affordable because, you know, Guernsey is never going to be 
there's never going to be a growing industry again, so to speak. But you, 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 you see it differently, do you? Well, I, I see it differently. I, I do agree. We're never going to have like 100% food here. But we, we can grow our seasonal foods, our vegetables here, all, all the things which we can do locally, which currently where we are importing all the time. It's, it's not only the food, it's, it's the nutrition within the food. That, that's the other aspect. That's where we kind of make our lives healthier as well. So the other, let's call it the other threat we have, is Brexit. So there are talks about the, um, the customs uh, for, for documenting trucks coming through, which is currently 8 or 10 seconds. This could be increased to up to 10 minutes. That means perishables on trucks coming through, coming to Guernsey, will be delayed, perishables ruined. If insurance companies stop paying for the insurance, who's going to pick up the tab? And it's going to be us when we go shopping. It's going to affect the businesses as well. So we need to spread that risk out. Can I go from from bigger picture to something very minute in your manifesto, which uh, was a point that you uh, you raised, let me just find it here, about uh, noisy motorbikes, which you say are a, a, a social nuisance and you want to get rid of them. I gather you've had a bit of pushback on this. Okay, so... My comment about this, um, I, I think using the term motorbikes was, uh, was the, the, the big problem I have. Um, my comment was leading towards these, these very small sort of, you know, 50 to 100 cc bikes who remove their baffles, who, who literally tear up and down from uh, the front to at night times on main roads. It's, it's a social disturbance and a social nuisance. This is not, as has been uh, portrayed by a lot of uh, bikers, that this is anti-motorbikes and, 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 and Chris Blinn is, is against the, the whole world. You know, if anything, I'm, the, you know, I'm not, maybe not the opposite, but I've always had a fascination, but it, it's about responsible. Um, you, know, I've, I've, you know, like everybody else, you know, I've, I've enjoyed cars. I've, I was very much helping the Powerboat Association, um, although we didn't uh, run one this year. You know, it's about res- being responsible. Now, this is not about just trying to, to, to get them off the road. It's, it's, it's more of a case of, let's go back to old policing. When I was a kid, I had my motorbike. If I had something wrong, policeman would stop me and say, get this sorted, just this tweak there. And it's part of it. I know there's a lot of fun um, with the bikes there, but if we have some compromise, things will work better. You know, we, we love, you know, for example, the big bikers, they do charity runs, they, they go off to France, all these things there. I don't want us to be in a situation because of the effects of this social disturbance, raising people's backs against bikes. And then coming into Brexit, we might end up having to do something like um, an MOT island wide. If there was a way to have uh, an MOT certification for all the vehicles leaving Guernsey, going to France or UK, that would be great. If not, it's going to be another stealth cost with uh, mechanics, which will be great for the jobs, but there'll be administration, etc. What do you make of the reaction you got to that? To be very honest, it was it was uh, very hard initially, very brutal, um, um, especially when it comes from people that you 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 know you feel you know, etc. Um, a lot of my friends who are bikers actually came up and. You know, and, and, and advised, but a lot just 
what I call you know the keyboard warriors just just laid in and and that I must admit happened very very early on in my campaigning um, you know I, I engaged with several I asked to meet with several I joined their forums you know in one in one of the cases um, so you know, I respect a lot of the, the politicians who develop sort of, um, you know, broad backs to, to deal with this. But I also think it's, it's a shame when, when um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, maybe the term motorbike was, was too broad and you change that. But, but the reaction you get from, from the keyboard warriors is backpedaler or typical politician, etc. Whereas in my opinion... This is the whole way to develop. This is the whole way to work. Is that if you feel something needs changing or something, we, I say we, but as a as a as a deputy elect hoping uh, to be serving my island, this is where I would have more respect for someone when they go out of their way to 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 a, adjust and change. And that would, in my book, make me feel stronger about the person who I'd be electing or voting for. But sadly, the world is is different. Yeah, and, and I guess it touches on uh, some issues that have come up in this campaign in terms of how you interact with the electorate. And everyone is saying, because you can't physically knock on every door that you could have in your parish when under the previous system, you will have to perhaps engage with people more online. Um, how have you? What have you made of your interactions with voters, and how it's working under this this island-wide system? Rob, humbling, I think is is that um, I, I I have been sort of walking the streets for two weekends now, going to areas. I, I live in Saint Peterport, but I've been going to other areas of the island. Um, I would say about ninety-five or ninety-eight percent of the households um, I, I visited were so open and so welcoming. I did not expect that. Not only that, besides the usual culprits of, of I don't know, education, um, you know, there the, are the a number of items which everyone has to mind. What I felt was that people would open up and talk about the, the areas that concerned them. I have had lots of emails, like I'm sure every other candidate has had, and I've had the opportunity to have chats and, and coffees and meet with people. And hearing the things that bother them, and one little anecdote is one person contacted me to discuss mental health. And my first question was, why have you approached me, considering you have to choose how many elements you place in the manifesto, considering it wasn't in my manifesto? And the answer from this very sort of nice woman who had been asking me about it was to say, it's because it's not in it, I would like to know your reaction. Um, without going to personal details, I've had a lot of experience with, with mental health um, um, sort of close to, to family. So it is important to me, but it wasn't the one that I was trying to, to, to champion. And the, and the reason for that is the focus on my manifesto is predominantly the economy and the diversification of it because I feel that to, to, to bring the compassion to, to helping the island we need to have the purse with the money so so that's why I start from there although sometimes I feel like a, you know I'm, I'm overly economic development side when actually there's a lot to do yeah but do you worry that you get lost in the field of candidates because you know you you're certainly not alone in in coming to that conclusion 
Well, well, yes. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, I am a, the I am the electorate as well, and it I am struggling to work out um, who do I vote for. You know, what are the the the, the, the main principles? Um, and I know there are from from various sites and and apps coming up in 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 the in the well now which are appearing now. Yeah. Um, although it, it gives you options to make it easier, there's kind of several of those too. Um, so, so it's a struggle. The only, the only advantage I personally have on this is I have the ability, while I am um, standing for the elections, is I'm enjoying communicating with my, my fellow candidates to identify how they feel, what they're thinking. So already I'm kind of choosing um, who, the, the people who, should I have the opportunity to do this, who I would like to work with and how. You're not just voting for yourself and no one else then? I can't decide on that yet. <laughs> and I know it sounds awful, but but um, um, yes, that's that's a very hard one because um, if you want if you want success, you have to ensure that the right people come in. I know that there are currently the Guernsey Press is running a, a charity poll to see, you know Super people, Seven. Super Seven, correct, to see the, the, the top ones there. What they really should be doing, in my opinion, is having one for the incumbents and the existing deputies and one for the new candidates because actually it's, it's all about having a mix. We do need the experience, but it's, it's about having a mix. So finally, in a sentence, why on earth should anyone vote for Chris Blair? I love the island. I love what it's given me and I'm trying to give something back and I'm trying to do it with compassion, and I'm trying to do it level-headed, and I want us to succeed. And finally, it's the return of my favourite game. That's right, it's election true or false, back again. And like uh, Guernsey's regulatory and tax environment, this game is always evolving. Oh, Uh, very good. (laughs) to sound like a politician. So what I've done is I've not been looking at the candidate manifestos to uh, see if these statements are true or false and to You're test your mind. You're bored of that, have you? <laughs> um, well, what I actually found was I could probably glean more interesting things from the public questions that were posted on the website to uh, the election website to all candidates. So I've been scouring those uh, for some nuggets of, um, well all sorts of different things uh so what i'm going to do is going to give you a statement that is in response to a question that's been posed by a member of the public and uh you're going to have to say whether it's true or false the first uh, statement is in relation to climate change and the question was uh, do you agree there is a climate crisis caused predominantly by the actions of humans one candidate writes no there are many other factors at play our planet's magnetic field is flipping and the sun is also in a period of weak activity. <laughs> I mean, actually, both true statements. Um, but... Wouldn't it be more likely that the sun was in a period of strong activity? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the magnetic field definitely is flipping. I don't I don't know for sure about the sun, but the, the fact that climate change isn't primarily man-made, uh, obviously... Uh, rings alarm bells but i think i'm do you know what? i think that's probably a true statement Ding! yeah you're Yay. right yeah so that was uh the candidate ray mclean uh in answer to the question uh some other uh, climate change or climate emergency climate crisis deniers include 
John Titmus. Uh, Jenny Tasker says, perhaps, in answer to the question, just a reminder, it's do you agree that there is a climate crisis caused predominantly by the actions of humans? Tory Russell says uh, there's, there is much research, some of it conflicting. Jonathan Latoc says climate change is real, but the term crisis can be unhelpful and misleading. Uh, Victoria Oliver says yes, but there are cycles. So, But obviously the vast majority, it was very simple, uh, yes. So question number two is, would you support the listing of all remaining historic military structures as Jersey has done to ensure their ongoing protection, repair and maintenance? One candidate answers, no, German structures have little interest to residents or visitors, do not protect, maintain or repair them. True or false? No, that's got to be false. There's no way. I'm, I, they're a huge draw, aren't they? Or at least I always thought they were. I like going to them, so I would, yeah, I would say that's false. Well, no, this is a genuinely held view by John Titmus. Oh, right. OK, well, certainly I imagine a unique view in among the answers to that well, question actually no because again it's kind of in the the devil is in the detail of the question because they're talking about listing and, and other candidates are pointing out that you know what does that actually mean you shouldn't have a, a sort of cover rule policy for all of them so mark hellier was one for example who said i would support their protection by planning law but not anything which involves more bureaucracy or expense. We simply can't afford it. Bob Murray similarly says, if money exists, uh, (laughs) he would potentially support uh, this measure. Um, But plenty of others, Neil Cave and Chris Blinn, for example, saying that, yes, uh, they want to see these uh, kind of structures preserved and the development of sort of historical military holidays, for example, is one thing. Clint Gardner answers just with a question. Does Guernsey identify with these structures? So I guess it's not surprising that there is a variation of opinions, actually, especially when you consider, like you say, the the devil in the details and and the question itself in its entirety. Okay, and that leads me nicely on to the next uh, candidate statement. I'm going to come out with a statement before I uh, give you the question, just to mix things up a little bit. Uh, So a candidate says, like Donald Trump, I'm a big fan of the wall. Mine's the anti-tank wall at Lancrest, though. We need to rebuild it. (laughs) Okay, what was the question? So the question was, if elected, would you support the retention, repair and ongoing maintenance of the sea defences provided by the anti-tank wall at Lancrest Bay? Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a true statement. I think that's true. No, I made it up. It's false. Oh, what? (laughs) I suppose. Uh, Actually, maybe (laughs) I just realised that I just said one of the candidates (laughs) likened themselves to Donald Trump. (laughs) <laughs> well, to like Donald Trump, they're a fan of the wall. I think, you know, I, I think you could have a bit of fun with that if you were standing for election. Um, or with the Fermain seawall being a hot topic as well. Let's go on to question number four. Um, so this was asked, as a prospective states member, have you spent any time at all in the public gallery observing our parliament in action? If not, why not? And a uh, candidate answers... I have seen the states in operation. The debates are not high level, by and large. Cutting. <laughs> that Absolutely is cutting. cutting. I mean, <laughs> you've listened to plenty. Got to work with these people potentially. Well, quite. Just yeah. Slag them all off. You, uh, you've listened to your fair share of states debates, uh, Rob. Um, what? Don't put me do on the spot here. <laughs> do you think they're high level? <laughs> Very. And sometimes Very I struggle to keep up. I think I'm going to say that one's a true. 
Yeah, that is true. Uh, the candidate is John Dyke, who's a member of the Guernsey Party. I tell you what, there were some really ruthless answers, especially from newcomers. The Alliance Party, for example, has answered in Alliance Party fashion with this, this, the same answer to all the questions, similar to the manifestos. And they've said that we've collectively been observing the state's meetings for a number of years. The behaviour and poor quality of debate in those meetings is one of our main drivers for standing. Um, Mark Hellier uh, from the Guernsey Party also says... The chamber is not a workplace, it is a room full of hot air. (laughs) Work is done in committee and by trying to gain consensus outside meetings. Um, And it kind of goes on and on and on. Ray McLean, uh, who who we mentioned earlier, says the debate can be an eye-opener. Depending on the debate itself, during the one he attended, a deputy fell asleep. (laughs) Um, Let's go on to the final one. the question uh, posed to candidates was list your achievements to date which have been of benefit to Guernsey and a candidate says I've paid a lot of tax in Guernsey because I'm a successful businessman and I have a very big house <laughs> again that sounds like um, sounds like Donald Trump's written that um, it could be true but I'm going to go false yeah you're right there um, it's a bit worrying that my responses are all Donald Trump-esque, the ones that I make up. Um, so, funnily enough, it's not actually too far off some of the real answers that came from people because a few candidates seem to list paying taxes as <laughs> as an achievement or, or a benefit to Guernsey, I suppose it is. Um, uh, among some of the more interesting answers that came out to that question, uh, Clint Gardner says he gave Autism Guernsey a place to play badminton. Good on him. Um Rob Harnish says, I've taught at least two generations of pupils to pursue truth and courage with justice and justice with integrity. Um, Shane Longley says it's not for him to judge uh, what, what he's done that benefits Guernsey. Um, Chris Letissier just says, in the financial business, uh, that's his benefit to Guernsey, in the financial business. Um, going back to the whole tax havenness debate that we were having the other day, Jonathan Latoc says one of his achievements he lists is helping remove us from the EU blacklist. That's the tax blacklist uh, that Guernsey isn't on at the moment. And Bob Murray just answers with a question, in what arena? Wait, that was, that was his answer? Yeah, I, I guess maybe insinuating that he's given back in many different arenas or oh very clever or well i don't know he thought it was a ongoing conversation um and and and, <laughs> and, the, and they've not answered yet <laughs> still waiting for that answer <laughs> well bob if you want to give us the answer we're all ears thanks for listening make sure you check out the podcast's audio manifestos too in the same place that you found this episode to get in touch with the show find us on twitter at guernsey daily or you can email the guernsey daily at gmail.com and remember the full list of candidates is available on election 2020.gg we're also proud to be partnered with guernsey community radio and you can hear us there as well until next time goodbye goodbye <laughs>